0: A while back, the newspaper USA Today conducted a survey and asked an interesting question. USA Today asked, if you could get in contact with God directly, ask a question and get an immediate reply, what would you ask? That's an interesting question, I think, uh, and the results are pretty interesting, too. The results are what we want to review in our study this morning, what people would like to ask God. I think, as we see, it's going to reveal something about people's basic thoughts on spiritual matters. And that, perhaps, is worth some observation. So, for a few brief moments this morning, what we want to do is look at this USA Today survey, asking people, let's say you could talk to God directly, ask Him a question, get an immediate answer. What would you ask Him? That will be our study. Thanks for being here this morning. As has already been mentioned, we have a beautiful Lord's Day. It's chilly outside. It's wintertime. We have a good, warm, comfortable place to assemble together to worship God, and we're grateful for that. We're especially grateful that you're here to be a part of this. We draw encouragement from your presence. Thanks for being here. Uh, for any and all who are visiting with us, thanks for coming this morning. Please come back every time you have a chance. Always we want to express the fact that we're open to your questions, We'd be glad to study the Bible with you more thoroughly if we can assist in your Bible study in any way. We're trying very hard to learn God's truth accurately, to apply it and obey it as carefully as we can. And if you have questions about why we're doing what we do this way, please ask and we will try to answer. Let's talk about this survey. If you could get in contact with God directly and ask a question, get an immediate reply, what would you ask? Well, the highest percentage of people had the question, 34%, in fact, had the question, what is my purpose here? Now, as you analyze that question, I think you're going to observe, as we go through all of these questions, that most of the answers are already available in God's Word. The thing people said, I'd like to ask God about this, well, God's already told us the answer to that, and if if people would simply take the time and apply themselves... They could realize that the answer to every necessary question is already there in the scriptures. Just pick up your Bible and read them because the answers are there. The answers are available for this. The most uh, prominent or frequent question was What is my purpose here? That question has been around for a long time. Isaiah gives the simple answer Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. God says that we are created for the purpose of glorifying him. That should not be that hard to understand. Imagine if I was an inventor. I'm not an inventor. I'm not an inventive guy. But say that I was. Say that I'm the kind of person who could invent a machine or a device of some sort or another. Now, as an inventor... I would expect that my invention would do what I designed it to do, right? So let's say that I invented this very complex operating machine and I got it working and I called you in, said, look at this, I made this, and there it is. It's sitting there just swirling around and functioning just uh, in, in amazing precision. Your reaction would be, wow, you made that? That's amazing. You're a pretty smart guy. But what if as you're standing there watching it, suddenly it starts flying apart? Uh, pieces are going off in every direction and the thing is just crumbling. You say, oh, wait a minute. Maybe you're not so smart after all. What you made doesn't work. So when, when what an inventor makes, when it works, it shows him to be wise and intelligent. When it fails to work the way he designed it to work, it makes him look bad. Now, I want you to apply that concept to God. And in truth, God never looks bad. I'm not implying that. But what I am implying is that when we do what God designed us to do, when we function according to his will and purpose, we bring glory to his name. And that is why we're here, to glorify our creator. Solomon asked this question in the book of Ecclesiastes. You remember the whole book of Ecclesiastes sort of... Uh, chronicles Solomon's search for meaning in life that's basically what he was doing why am I here that's the question that people want to know the answer to Solomon went through that centuries ago Solomon was searching for meaning in life why am I here he tried everything he tried riches and pleasure he tried accomplishments and every other thing that could be imagined and when he got to the end of it all he said in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Solomon finally figured it out and said, I I now realize why I'm here. What my purpose for existence is, my purpose is to fear God and keep His commandments, to bring glory to God. So again, as we were saying, although this is the most prevalent or frequently asked question, people want to know, why am I here? The answer is there in the Word of God. You're here to do the will of God and to glorify Him in that process. The second most frequently asked question, 19% of people ask, will I have life after death? Well, we know the answer to that also, don't we? Uh, Maybe here we would ask more correctly, is there an existence beyond the grave? Because the idea of life in the Bible, life after death suggests potential reward, a positive existence beyond the grave. We could generalize and say, is there existence beyond the grave? Yes, for all, there will be an existence beyond the grave. In the ancient book of Job, uh, Job asked the question, chapter 14, verse 14, if a man dies, shall he live again? And in the course of all the things that we've just recently studied in the book of Job, Job came to the conclusion that, yes, there is an existence beyond the grave. In in chapter 19, beginning verse 25, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. Even after my skin is destroyed, I shall see God, Job said. So Job understood, yes, a part of me will survive physical death and go on to exist beyond the grave. Now, we've got to point out that this existence beyond the grave is not going to be what everyone wants. Not everybody's going to be pleased with where they are beyond physical death. Jesus talked in Matthew chapter 25 about our accountability and about our impending judgment before God. Matthew 25, beginning verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And concerning those on the left, he says, these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous to life eternal. So the answer to the question is, uh, the, the question being asked, will I have life after death? If you want to make it more accurately, will there be an existence? Will I have an existence beyond the grave? The answer is yes, there's definitely something beyond the grave. There's either reward or punishment, but there's an ongoing existence And that being the case, if I have any sense about me, what I need to be doing is preparing for that eventuality. It's coming. Let me make myself ready for what is beyond the grave. Almost one out of every five persons had that question. Will I have life after death? If they would simply open the Bible and read what God has already revealed, the answer to that is quite obvious. 16% of people ask the question, why do bad things happen? Certainly, we all would agree that there are a lot of bad things that go on in this world. Uh, to, To question why, to want to know why bad things happen, and in particular, maybe, why do bad things sometimes happen even to good people, that's a fairly normal question to ask. I believe there are answers to that question in the scriptures. Maybe we can't answer all or every circumstance, but we know some of the general answers as to why bad things happen. For instance, one of the answers we would give comes from the reading that Ricky read for us earlier from Genesis chapter 3. One of the reasons bad things happen is because we live in a world that has been affected by the results of sin. Satan was able to convince Eve and Adam to commit sin against God, and in the course of that, they brought all kinds of terrible consequences upon the earth which we still suffer from notice here in this reading in genesis chapter 3 beginning verse 17 god said to adam because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which i commanded thee saying thou shalt not eat of it what are they what are the real consequences or results cursed is the ground for thy sake and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return to the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So, bad things happen, at least partially due to the fact that sin has entered this world. Before this happened, everything was ideal and perfect in the Garden of Eden. There wasn't anything wrong. There wasn't anything bad happening. All was good, according to the way God created things things started getting bad, bad things started happening when Satan convinced Eve to commit that first sin. And so we could say part of the reason why bad things happen, even to us, is an ongoing consequence of sin being in the world. I think we could also answer this question, why do bad things happen? Sometimes bad things happen to people because uh, of other men's sins. In other words, I haven't done anything wrong, but sometimes other men choose to do things that impact my life, and I suffer a a bad consequence based upon choices others have made. In Luke chapter 13, beginning verse 1, it says, There were present at that season some that told Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now, Pilate had killed some of the Galileans, And they asked Jesus, and Jesus asked them rather, saying, "Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay." Jesus said, "These men didn't suffer for their own sins; they suffered for the sins of Pilate. They suffered for the sins of the decisions that someone else made." And I believe that can still be the case with us. Often is. Uh, it, It is not uncommon. To read examples in the news, effectively every day you can read plenty of examples of innocent people who suffered because of what others chose to do sinfully. And so, again, bad things happen because people sin. Maybe not me, but someone else sins and I'm uh, impacted by their sin. But then finally, we could say, sometimes I suffer because I sin. Sometimes the the bad things that happen to me are a direct result of the fact that I've made bad choices in my life. In 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning verse 15, Peter says, Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matter. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Uh, We often emphasize the last part of this passage, but I want you to think about the first part for a minute. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody. other matter. Do you, do you see what's implied in that statement? The implication is you could suffer. If you chose to commit murder, for instance, you could suffer for that. If you chose to be a thief or an evildoer or a busybody, you might suffer for that. And so the point I'm making, using this verse as a proof, is that sometimes bad things happen because I make bad choices in my life. So what we're saying is the Bible has lots of answers uh, to this frequently asked question, why do bad things happen? Now, again, I'm not suggesting that we could pinpoint an answer to every situation or give an explanation for all of the ills that exist in the world currently, but we know a lot of the reasons why. Again, the Bible gives us information. We just need to avail ourselves of that information. You want answers to questions, most of them are right there. In the Word of God. 7% of people ask the question, they'd like to ask God, is there intelligent life elsewhere? Have you ever heard of the uh, SETI program? S-E-T-I? S-E-T-I, you know what that stands for? Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. S-E-T-I, SETI uh that's been ongoing for a while. it actually was suspended back in april of this year as the government was going through budgetary cuts they cut that off basically what this is big antennas pointed out in space trying to pick up what might be broadcast waves from intelligent life elsewhere in the universe well the government shut that down because the government's trying to save money but some private individuals thought this was such an important thing that the thing has started up again or is about to start up again using private funds, millions of dollars a year being spent to try and find intelligent life other places in the universe. You know what I find interesting is that that the people behind this, for instance one of the one of the principal Instigators of this project, this SETI project, initially was Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan's dead now. Carl Sagan was a very famous atheist scientist, and he was one of the m- prime movers in getting this search for extraterrestrial intelligence started. Uh, what's interesting to me is they—they're they, so intent on trying to find intelligent life elsewhere in the universe. Uh, but these same people deny the obvious signs of intelligence in the design of our universe. You know, in other words, Carl Sagan would say, I want to find out if there's some intelligence out there, beaming radio waves out here at us. But t- Carl Sagan would sit there and look out at, at creation and, and deny that there's an intelligent being that made it all. Isn't that just uh, a real contradiction? These people deny the intelligence. I'll tell you. The answer is, yes, there's intelligence out there. It's God, the God who created all things. Now, I understand that's not the question they're asking. And as to the answer, is there intelligent life elsewhere in the universe? The Bible doesn't address that question. It, it doesn't give the answer. I could give you my think-sos, but it wouldn't matter. I don't think the Bible addresses that question. It doesn't have to. But the fact of the matter is, We need to honor the intelligence in the universe that is obvious, and that is its creator, God. In Psalm 19, verse 1, the psalmist said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. And that is for sure the truth, isn't it? Look around, and it's just absolute foolishness to say there is no God. Certainly, we see the intelligence in the universe. Six percent of people wanted to know exactly how long will I live? Now, get this. This, these, this was a survey put out there by USA Today, the newspaper. And they, they said, you, you can have, if you could ask God, get in contact with him, ask him, and get an immediate response to your question, what questions would you ask? Well, we've tried to list them here in, in order of significance. But there were a number of people, about one out of 20, who want to know, how long will I live? I don't know about that. Would you would you really want to know how long you would live? In other words, would you like to know down to the day and hour that you would die, how long you will live? I, I'm not sure I'd want to know that. That that almost be like being uh, um, on death row, wouldn't it? Knowing what day your execution is set for, and then just counting down the days and dreading it more as you got closer and closer to the actual moment of your death. I'm not sure that that'd be a very beneficial thing. And, Perhaps that is why God in His wisdom doesn't give us the answer to that. Now, God in His wisdom has told us that no matter how long you live, it's not going to be real long. You're not going to be here very long. For instance, in James chapter 4, beginning verse 13, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes the The fact of the matter is, no matter how long we live, it's not going to be too long. We need to deal with that. And that being the case, since everything we are and have and our total existence is only temporary here on earth, then this should not be our priority. Our priority ought to be serving God because we're not going to be here for long. You know, if you knew exactly how long you would live, don't you think that most people if they knew that, would delay obedience and they would engage in all kinds of sinful and self-destructive behavior. In other words, it would really hurt us. If we knew how long we were going to live, it would really be a hurtful thing. Again, I, I submit that that surely exposes the wisdom of God in not telling us exactly how long we will live. Instead of that, because of the way God has designed it, we don't know how long we'll be here, therefore we want to be constantly preparing ourselves for death and judgment. And in the process of that, our lives are enriched. Our lives are made better here and now as we prepare ourselves for the, for the time of our death and eventual judgment. So however long we live, if we live for God, then we are better off. So a number of people wanted to know this answer now, here's one where I think the Bible does not give us the answer. certainly it doesn't give us the answer as to exactly how long each person will live. It does tell us our life here is only brief. But these are the questions people want to ask. Top five questions people wanted to ask God. What's my purpose here? Answer given in the Bible. Will I have life after death? Answer given in the Bible. Why do bad things happen? Good information, plenty of information, significant answers to that question are in the Bible. Is there intelligent life elsewhere in the Bible, or elsewhere in the universe? Is there intelligent life elsewhere? If you're talking about in the physical universe, I don't think the Bible answers that question, but there's certainly intelligence out there, and that intelligence is God, our Creator. It does not answer how long will I live. Finally, let me go back to one more point. Twelve percent of people, when they were given this question, when the survey was asked, If you could talk to God directly and get an immediate answer, what question would you ask? 12% of people had no idea what they would ask. Does that tell you something? Uh, I think this is pretty amazing and likely says something about uh, the shallowness of our society. Uh, First of all, as we've already pointed out, they, they don't know uh the answers that are already available in the word of god uh, most of the answers are there but what's so startling is that there are a number of people so out of touch with their spiritual side that they don't have enough sense even to ask a reasonable question isn't that something i have to tell you i think most of us if we had an opportunity for a sit-down interview with god we'd we'd have a, a list of questions long as your arm that we'd like to ask, right? That, that's a good thing. That's good that we're inquisitive about spiritual things. But there's 12% of the people in our society who don't even have enough connection with spiritual things to know what would be a good question to ask God. Is that shocking? I think that's pretty amazing. Anyway, we know that we're not going to have that opportunity to interview God in this lifetime at least But we don't have to, because God has already told us everything that we need to know in His Word. And if we will accept the truths of His Word, then we have the absolute promise that we will have a better life now, we'll be enriched, and our lives will be improved, things will be better for us now, and we have the great hope of heaven and eternity, a perfect existence with God forevermore. Are you ready to participate in that? If you're not a Christian yet, we would urge you to make that decision without delay. Nothing else really matters. If you miss heaven, you've just missed it all. And so if you've not prepared yourself by obeying the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, we beg you to do that this morning. Upon hearing, believe, then repent of your sins and confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. We're ready to assist you in your obedience. Let us know how we can help. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithful, Come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.